Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. text this morning comes from a place and a time hundreds of years after the actual exodus when God's people were, were looking back and remembering what they had experienced and remembering in gratitude. In fact, it's this long confession of, of gratitude to God's faithfulness to them. And as they, they look back at their own history, they recognize the ways that we had no idea what we were doing. We did not know the way to go, but you, God, led our ancestors through the Red Sea. You defeated our enemies, and you led us by this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. Both day and night, very visibly, you were right there with us to lead us and to show us the way. And even when we rebelled against you, even when we didn't like what you had to say to us, you faithfully led us with this pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. The clearest example I've had in my life of just a pillar of cloud from my perspective, and had I been a little closer and seen it at nighttime, no doubt it would have been a pillar of fire, is the eruption of Mount St. Helens. I was a kid, I woke up, actually we had a couple dishes clatter in the kitchen from the earthquake that morning in 1980, and um, that was a big old 
pillar of cloud in the sky. There was no mistaking where this was. And so it was with God's people there in the wilderness. They could simply look at the cloud and know exactly where it was. They could scan the horizon and there was no mistaking where God was, either right there in the middle of their encampment when they were in rest, or the next day or a month later, three months later, the cloud would begin to move and they would pack up and follow. It was completely and utterly unambiguous what they were to do. I learned pretty early on as I began to work with kids as an adult that kids thrive on structure and predictability. They, they want to know what's going to be happening next and they like to have a certain sense of, of routine as they begin to explore new things so that and they like to have adults around who they can trust to, to follow and make some of the big decisions so they can have the freedom to explore amongst themselves and the world around them at a pace they can handle. Particularly kids who've had a rough home background and I've worked with a number of kids like that over the years, they need the, the safety and security of structure around them and, and most importantly, they need the safety and security of warm presence. See, these Israelites, they've been through a lot. They've been enslaved until, you know, the week before yesterday, and they are a bunch of traumatized, PTSD-ridden people who are just beginning to explore what freedom means. I read an article just the other day, I believe it was in the Atlantic, but talking about the adult life of Romanian children who were adopted in the United States in the 90s after the fall of the Ceausescu regime. And these kids were just, traumatized doesn't begin to describe what, what some of these kids went through in orphanages with little to no adult care coming to the United States. And the words of one particular uh, adoption counselor uh, really stuck with me that she would tell these parents that these kids don't need to hear I love you as much as they need to hear you're safe. And this is absolutely God's message with the Israelites. For them to be freed from the power of the Egyptian army, not just in like, well, I guess they haven't caught up with us yet, but to see the whole army sink like stones beneath the surface of the Red Sea, to know that that enemy is absolutely obliterated and cannot touch them. And then to come into this desert area, which has its absolute insecurity, water, food, where's that going to come from? And yet this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire is right there with them. And if that weren't enough, this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire is not simply a, a physical object that God sort of spins out. This, this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire is God's presence with them. He can't reveal the white-hot heat of his love to them directly, so he shrouds himself in this cloud. And yet at night, in the same way that light can come through at night that you would never see in the daytime, the, the glory of the Lord, as deeply shrouded as it was by this cloud, still at night comes through. I love the image of God providing a nightlight for his traumatized kids. 
See, these people, they're, they're the kid who needs the parent, the guardian, the older sibling to sit with them in the bed so that they can fall asleep secure. They need to know that they are safe and, yes, that they are loved as God begins to heal them from what they have been through. We really just, we we can't overlook this point. God leads his people. He's with them and he leads them. He's not content to leave them in Egypt and he's not content to leave them in the wilderness. He's bringing his kids home. That's the goal. The promised land. A place that's theirs that's secure. He's leading them. Now, of course, if you want somebody to go somewhere, there's, there's a variety of ways you can do that. You can, you can write them directions and hand them a map or even just send them a map by someone else. Uh, you can try the Egyptian taskmaster route and you can use whips and chains and heavy work and get them where you want them to go. You can, of course, just kind of beckon like, hey, come on, we, we got a place to go and hope that they come to you. But the way that our God does this is getting right in the middle of his people, getting right in the middle, being with them and right with them, taking them by the hand and saying, come with me. This is the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. God taking his people by the hand, being with them even as he moves them forward. Because we also need to face this fact. Not everything that God was inviting his people into was, well, going to be all that comfortable or safe. As my friend Tally pointed out a few weeks ago, they had to get ready in an awful hurry. They didn't have time to prepare. Only Moses had lived out in the wilderness. This is brand new, unfamiliar, scary, dangerous, insecure place. And yet God with them means they have everything they need in a chaotic and really inhospitable environment. And of course, by far, by far the most important lesson that God is teaching them in this scary, inhospitable place, this wilderness journey where they have no idea whether they're going to go next. They have no idea whether they're going to stay in this place for one day or one month or longer. The primary lesson that God is teaching them is trust. You are safe. You are loved. Even if you don't know what's happening next, I do, says the Lord. I am with you. And where I am with you, it'll be good. It may be uncomfortable. It may be painful. There will be all kinds of hurts and fears and shames wrestled up out of our hearts. But that's the whole point. God wrestles them up out of our hearts so that we can be free, not just free from all this junk that's come at us, but free to enjoy and rest in him, even if everything outside of us screams that we need to be afraid. If there's a message for us today, 
if there's a message for us to hold on to, I don't know a better one. Look, we can make all the jokes we want to about 2020, but they're funny because they're real, because this year is nuts. But part of the craziness of this year is just, again, that it's bringing up out of our hearts and out of our nation's hearts this junk that we just haven't wanted to deal with. And we have have this opportunity to look to the presence of God with us and learn to trust and let him tell us that it's going to be okay. The obvious comeback at this point is, but James, we don't have a pillar of cloud that's the supernatural visible presence of God with us in the day and a pillar of fire that's the supernatural presence of God at night. We're just trying to figure this out on our own. And I would respond, yeah, it can feel like that. It can absolutely feel like that. But our text this morning actually comes from a time, again, as we mentioned earlier, it comes from a time centuries later when God's people are looking back at that time. Part of how God's people in the time of Nehemiah with the amazing and tangible presence of God felt by them as they completed the building of the wall around the city and saw the restoration of their community and was brought to repentance. There were prophecies given, active work of God in their midst, but part of the presence of God, part of the way that they saw God's work in their present tense was by recognizing God's work in their past, specifically back in the Exodus, the wilderness wanderings, this time period where Israel learned to trust God. And so it is with us. As the Apostle Paul would write to his friends in the city of Corinth, centuries still in the future, he said, these things really happened to them, meaning these people in various parts of the Old Testament. These things really happened to them, but they were written down for our instruction. And so it is by recognizing that in this time of crazy uncertainty, God made his presence visibly obvious to his people so they could begin to learn to trust. So it is through the centuries, God has made his presence known in a variety of ways. He has led his people forward in a variety of ways. And these things are both written down for our instruction and also as a promise that God will give us what we need to take our next step of faith. If there's anything that becomes obvious in this whole story of the Exodus, it's that God did not give his people a 40-year plan. It ended up being 40 years until they entered the promised land. But they didn't know that at the beginning. Their initial plan was to go out in the wilderness for three days, worship God, and then follow they didn't have a 40-year plan or honestly a five-year plan or even a five-month plan. They were in the school of grace to learn what it means to trust and rely on God for provision for literally everything, not just the spiritual wholeness that was certainly given, but the basic stuff of physical life, water and food, everything 
everything was a matter of learning to trust and learning that whatever the appearances were, they were secure and so are we. Because we're that kid who needs the parent, needs the guardian to, needs the older sibling to be sitting on the bed with us so that we can fall asleep in our anxieties. We're the kid who needs the nightlight on in order to rest secure. We're, we're, we're that people. And the good news is that we don't just have a pillar of cloud and fire. We have Jesus in all his richness and glory. As John wrote so beautifully at the beginning of his biography of Jesus, in him we've seen the fullness of grace. He came to us full of grace and truth. So are we left uh, just wandering around in circles? No, 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 we're, we're not left anywhere. Right here today, whether you're watching it this morning with many of the rest of us, Inglewood Church, or you're watching this days, weeks, months later, the promise God gives us, the promise Jesus himself gave to us, is that to anyone who comes to him, he's with us and by his spirit actually comes and lives in us. And no, we don't usually, when we're looking for our next step forward, our next step to follow Jesus, we're not usually given dramatic supernatural signs like pillars of cloud and fire. And yet, sometimes today, there can be, God does in his grace sometimes give supernatural leadings. Both I and others, and ask me, happy to share stories, have experienced rarely, but from time to time, direct supernatural invention that made clear what a next step ought to be as we prayerfully looked for it. Sometimes I'm sure we were supernaturally led even when we weren't looking for it. That's God's grace. Sometimes God speaks to us in dreams and visions, and those are legitimate sources, ways, channels of God's communication with us. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, as we're in prayer with him. Most centrally, a, a grounding in scripture. God promises that anytime we take in his word, these words of witness that we have preserved for us in scripture, that the Holy Spirit takes those words and communicates to us. We begin to, to learn what his voice sounds like. The way a baby in the uterus begins to learn what her or his mother's voice sounds like, and indeed the father's voice and others outside by sheer repetition, we, by immersing ourselves in scripture and taking time to be with God in prayer, to make, if we can, the first task, the first thing we seek in the morning to make our hearts happy in God, we learn to hear his voice. And there are other ways God leads. Through the advice of good and godly friends, and honestly, sometimes through the advice of people who have no idea who God is whatsoever. God can speak through anyone, 
God works through timing, through provision of our lives, opportunities that emerge that can be God's guidance. We receive God's guidance in community, in communication with each other. So, so often in the, the bigger decisions of life, God will not just lead us individually, but will begin to speak to others who are in our life to confirm what he's doing. And on and on and on. There's particularly, if you want to read more, there's particular books by Elizabeth Elliot and by Gordon Smith that the book links will be in the show notes here for this video. But friends, God is with us. God is leading us. God is telling us that even in this moment, we can take our next step of life following him securely and let us thank him for that.